You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be the subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment again. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means you fool, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be a danger, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at an altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Set a matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or add an adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may throw you over to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This has been the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Landon. There is a, we're in the middle of a sermon series, or not even in the middle, we're at the beginning of a sermon series, uh, called Changing Your Lives from the Inside Out. And we're looking at the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through Matthew chapter 7-ish um, is the Sermon on the Mount. And so today we are focusing on those scripture passages that Pastor Landon read for us. I want to first cover some things that I have yet to cover so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page. First of all, sometimes what I hear when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount is, is that I wish those people out there, I wish those people that are far from Christ would live like the Sermon on the Mount. Um, when we say those things, we got to be careful because the Sermon on the Mount wasn't preached for the man far from God. The Sermon on the Mount was preached to you and I who sit in community with God, who sit in community with one another so that we would live it out in such a way that it would draw the man who is far from God to him. And so when we, when we sometimes make comments like, you know, I mourn the fact that they don't get this. They're not supposed to get this. You are. <laughs> I, I, I know that kind of hard to hear, but that's the truth. We are. They aren't. And so I, I want to be careful with that and start off with that thought because I, I fear that what I've been, when I've been preaching over the past couple of weeks, I've been giving this indication that the whole world should live by these standards and that everybody who's far from Christ or with Christ should live to these standards. And while we would love for that to happen and while that would be a great thing, the, the, the point here is, is that the very first sermon was what? Salt and light. Why? Because everything after he wants you to be the salt and light and live like he asked you to live. That's why. And so we want to be careful when we start to say, yeah, so-and-so who's far from Christ did this, and I can't believe that they did this, and blah, 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 blah. They're not supposed to get it. It hasn't impacted them like it's impacted you. That's the whole point that you should be living differently so that you draw them in with your salt or his salt that he gives you, and his light that he gives you. And so that's just a little side note. And so today I want to start with a question. And I do not want you to raise your hand this morning when I ask this question. Have you ever been angry with someone? I mean, that's a pretty ridiculous question, right? Like, you can't even drive today without getting angry with somebody, right? I mean, come on, some of you on the way to church today, some guy cut you off and you told him how to get to heaven, right? You told him, God bless you, or something to that extent. Like, that's, that, that is, a, is a powerful question. Perhaps you were so angry with someone that you even felt like you could just kill them. Then you catch yourself and you say, that would, that's, that's dumb. 
I can't kill that person. That's a sin to murder. Well, that's a good thought to have, and you shouldn't kill anyone. Let me be clear on that this morning. Out of anger. However, Jesus pushes us farther on the issue of anger, and he challenges us not only on the sinfulness of murder, but also on the sinfulness of anger itself. And so today's passage, together, we're going to discover the many sides of this killer emotion called anger, if it's not under control. As we learned last week in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, Jesus has told us that we must live in an ultra-righteous life to get into the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? He showed us the Pharisees who (laughs) were great on the outside. They kept the law. They did everything, or they tried to keep the law. They did everything they could do, and they were great on the outside, but in the inside, they were missing the mark because it was about life and heart change. And Jesus there says, I came to fulfill the law, not get rid of it. And the whole point of last week's sermon was this, that he wants to point us to our great need for him and his, right, and his, and his righteousness. Unlike the Pharisees, again, who made it about their rules only. Now, here's where Jesus begins a series of statements that follow this format. It'll be on the screen. This will be on the screen. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Now, I want you to grasp this because I fear I've been saying this wrong for several weeks, and I want to make sure this is clear. He's not adding to the law. He's not even even, um, a little bit adding to the law. What he's literally saying in these scriptures when he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you is this. You've seen it applied this way by the Pharisees and the scribes and the other people. And what they have done is missed the mark. And so me as the Messiah is coming to set the standard straight. He's not adding to it. It was already there. They just missed it with all their rules because they were so legalistic. I want you to grasp that. In these statements, Jesus is acknowledging the teaching of the Jewish law on the matter. Then he's correcting the application of the law, if you would, or explaining what was really at the heart of it. He isn't adding to it. He's driving after something that he wants from us, heart change. It's like in the Old Testament when God would say, you know what, you know what, Israel, forget about your sacrifices, forget about your offerings. How about you give me your heart? Forget about all the outward actions. Forget about pouring money into the offering plate and all that and and then going out and living your life just the way you did and saying that I'm not a faithful God and all this stuff. Forget about all that. How about you just give me your heart? And so what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount is here, listen, you've heard murder defined as someone actually killing a life. But I say to you that murder is even when you are angry with someone and you wish they were dead. That's the correct application, not what the Pharisees say. It's almost like a false teacher coming into the church and saying something and me having to get up the next week and redefine everything they said because, well, they were wrong. They defined it wrong. They gave you the wrong impressions. And so Jesus is cleaning up what the Pharisees have missed the mark on. He's fulfilling it himself and explaining it for his followers. He's saying that it needs to be obeyed in a fuller way. So in this passage, Jesus speaks to us about anger. Let's get to the actual points. In these passages, we will experience three sides of anger. First, we see that anger can be vile. Anger can be vile. Look at verses 21 through 22 with me. You have heard that it was said, 
to the people long ago, Old Testament. You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So here's what Jesus says in verses 21 through 21, 21 through 22. You've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. There was no doubt among the hearers of Jesus that murder was evil. But when Jesus said that second part, every head in that crowd, I guarantee you, went down. And it should have. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. If you've been angry with your brother, you are subject to judgment. This would have probably been a surprising to the hearers of Jesus, as I said earlier. It's probably surprising to many of us today. We have no problem understanding that murder, killing an innocent life, is simply evil, sinful, vile, and worthy of judgment. But to say that anger is worthy of judgment, Jesus is taking this a little too far. That's what a lot of us are thinking in our heads right now. Jesus carries it even farther. He says, if you insult your brother, you will be subject to the court, meaning you will be guilty. Then he says, whoever says to you, fool, will be subject to hellfire. Hellfire? Now that word hellfire is a term that is from the, from the word Gehenna, Gehenna, which referred to a trash dump outside of Jerusalem that was continually burning. And so Jesus, they believe, is, is pointing in that direction and says, the judgment that you could experience if we give ourselves to anger and insulting could be like a continual fire that burns up trash. And right there it is. You can smell it. You can see the smoke coming off of it, gentlemen and ladies. Burning trash is intense. Michelle probably doesn't want me to tell this story, but uh, (laughs) where we lived before, we were allowed to burn our trash in our backyard, and Brett had fun with that. But it was intense. There were times that things blew up, and I just went like this going, Lord, thank you I was in the garage and not out there by the burn barrel. Burnt trash. And Jesus uses it as a perfect example in this situation. He says, look, you can see it. It never goes out. It just keeps on burning because we just keep on throwing trash on top of it. And you know what? Your anger, when it just keeps on controlling you and keeps on controlling you and keeps on controlling you, it's like that burning trash. Just as murder is sinful because it's a physical violation of someone's created who's created in the image of God, so also insulting is sinful because it is a verbal violation of someone created in the image of God. You catch that? Here's what Jesus is saying. Yes, murder, when you take a physical life of someone who was made in my image, yes, that is bad, but even insulting can be a verbal slash at someone who is made in my image. Now, how is this possible? How is it this the case? How can anger possibly be considered as a sinful as murder? That's on the screen. First, let's, let's make some clarifications. Jesus did not say murder and anger were the same. He said that they were both worthy of judgment. Let's be clear on that. He didn't say if you're angry, you've already murdered. He said if you're angry and you continue to be angry, and then yes, it can lead to spiritual murder. But he didn't say they were the same thing. He said they were both judgment-oriented. And also, just to be clear, I'd rather all of you get angry at me than just one of you murder me. Right? 
I mean, we don't care if people get angry with us, but when they pull a gun out or a knife out, it's a different ball game. Jesus' point is his anger should not be overlooked as innocent. It's vile, it's evil, and it's sinful. Period. That's what Jesus is saying here in the Sermon on the Mount to his followers. Because here's what they've been doing. They've been living in anger. Can you imagine how frustrating it must have been for the Pharisees and the scribes of that day to, to watch Jesus and almost think that you got him caught in a trap and then he weasels him way out, his way out of that trap because he knows the law better than you know the law and he makes you look silly. Can you imagine how angry those Pharisees must have gotten? Can you imagine when they catch someone in the act of adultery and they throw her in front of him, and they think they got him caught for once and for all, and he sneaks his way out of it, and he says, hey, if any of you are free of sin, you throw the first stone. Knowing full well he's the only one that can throw the stone. Do you imagine how angry this, these, these guys and, and people would get? So Jesus is looking at them along with his followers and he's saying, listen, that anger, that anger, that anger, that's an issue. That isn't innocent. That isn't just the kindig anger as I used to call it. You got to get it under control. Now, I was speaking with somebody, and I hope they don't watch today, but I was speaking with somebody about my dad before the worship service. And I said I was, a, I, was a, I was fearfully scared of my dad when I was a kid. And we were talking about how God and dad, God and um, how, how to respect God and how to have a fear of God. And I said, now my, my, my fear of my dad is not a fear of, what is he going to do to me? Now it's a fear of, I've watched him take his life to a whole new level with Jesus Christ. And now it's a fear of respect. Now it's when I, when I, when I speak with my dad and I, and I go with my dad somewhere, I want him to, to be proud of me and I want, I want him to know that he has instilled in me something that is greater than this world. Because you see, my dad was born with what my grandmother used to call the kindig anger. Every Christmas, or just about every Christmas, there would be a blow-up of whether it was one of our family members blew the top. And it would just be kind of a joke. There's the kindig anger again. Ha, 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 ha. It's not a joke to God. And so to see my dad get in situations that were similar, and sometimes I get frustrated with it because I'll see my son or my daughter do something, and, and when I was a kid, I would have been taken into the back room and told off and, 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 and told to sit in my chair and not move and all this stuff, and my kids just kind of get grace all over the place. It's okay, Serenity, that you threw that. It's okay. I'm like, no, wait, Dad. <laughs> Can we fast forward 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when I threw something across your living room? But you see, he's grown in Christ. And so he's got it under control. And see, that's the desire of what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount. It's not just something to say, hey, this is, this is just the way I'm grown up. This is the way I've been taught. This is the way I've been this. This is the way I've been that. No, no, no. That's how you murder people. So why is anger so vile? This is a tricky question, particularly when we see that Jesus gets angry in his, at points in his ministry, right? I mean, do we have to be reminded of what happened when people were selling things outside of the temple? Flipped tables. Called them said that they were making their father's house, his father's house, into a den of robbers. That's pretty angry, right? But you see, Jesus, 
had this anger that was righteous anger. When, when sin was going on, Jesus was, was powerful with being able to deal with that sin in, a, in, a, in, a, in an angry way, but yet a righteous anger. And one of the questions that was asked to me to deal with in our question sermon series was, can, can humans have righteous anger? Can we, can we be angry at sin and not sin in our anger? Well, I need to remind you of one thing before I say anything else. None of us are Jesus in this room or online. None of us. So we should be very careful to say that our anger is righteous anger. By the way, this was a question again asked of me. Because here's why. Nothing good comes out of our heart without Jesus Christ. And so automatically when we as humans, as red-blooded American humans or wherever we're from, um, humans, when we get angry, we want revenge, right? Come on. I mean, you guys are all looking at me like you're a bunch of... Talk for yourself, pastor. Please. You get angry, you want to tell that person off. You get angry, you want to, you want to tell that person how, how angry you are. You get angry, you want to throw something. You're, you get angry, you want to do this. Your, your reaction is not righteous in any way, shape, or form. And so we have to be very careful to be able to say that a, that a human, that a, that a person, would be able to have a righteous anger that does not sin. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but what I'm saying is, is that line is very, very, very tough to not cross. And here's the only one that will know if you stay under behind that line and you are righteously angered. Him. You can't tell yourself you did. That's like me looking at myself going, yeah, I'm a pretty perfect being. Good. Great. I'm not, I'm not sinning. There's one judge, and he'll take care of that judging. And so Jesus' anger was an identification of the sin of others, and out of a heart devoted to repentance and the pursuit of holiness for the person to whom his anger was directed. Our anger, more times than not, opens the door and allows sin to come into our hearts, which leads us to more sin, including insulting people, um, name-calling, and at times, even physical harm. Our anger is selfish. It's vengeful. It's full of hate. This is sinful. And although it seems insignificant at the time, and we just kind of brush it off, let me assure you that Jesus bringing this up on the Sermon on the Mount is telling us one thing. It is not insignificant to God himself. And in case you feel like your toes are hurting today, trust me, mine did from Monday till Saturday reading this passage. It's your turn. <laughs> I told Pastor Landon on Friday, I have never had a passage hit me between the eyes like this passage. And I see it in our world. Unfortunately, I see it in the church sometimes too. And it's got to stop. Because it's not it's insignificant to God. We must pursue holiness, not only in the actions, but also in our hearts. Second point is this. It is possible for anger to be reconciled. It is possible for anger to be reconciled. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar table and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In this circumstance, your brother or sister has done something against you. And again, Please understand, when we say brother and sister, we do not mean my literal sister, Rochelle Davis, in Dover, Pennsylvania. We're talking about those sitting around you that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters. In this situation, your brother or sister has done something against you. Reconciliation is so important to a true disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why he's bringing this up. 
Jesus believes so highly in this reconciliation that he actually actually instructs you to do something that to a prideful God would be very hard for him to ask you to do. Literally, what he's asking you to do is stop your worship, go and get it right with your brother or sister, and come back and then worship again. Do you catch that? This is a God who is not about I, 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 and and praise my name and all those things. He's sure he appreciates that, but he understands the power of reconciliation. And he literally says to you, when you come to the altar and you're presenting a gift, if you remember that you have an offense that you need to deal with, that you need to reconcile, put the gift down, go back and deal with the issue, and then come back and worship me. That makes it pretty important to him. God is a worthy of worship more than anyone in all the universe, yet we are to put that on hold in order to resolve anger with another human being. If we have anger or if we are aware of someone be having anger towards us, we are to seek to make that right. We are to seek to fix the issue. Oh, man. For us to get this would be huge this would solve so many issues in the world if we just sought to work things out but the apostle paul reminds us in romans chapter 12 that there is some play in these words listen to this if it is impossible if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone so jesus is saying look look, i understand there are people who just want to be angry I I used to call them, and I got in trouble for saying it, so I hope I don't today, but I used to call them joy suckers. That was my name for them, because anytime there was joy in anything, they would just... It has to be angry. It has to be a problem. I can't just like what's going on. I got to suck the joy out of it, and I got to throw it out the window, and I got to be angry about it. And Jesus is saying, or Paul is saying in this passage in Romans chapter 12, listen, there will be those people that are like that, period. But as far as it, make sure I get this right, depends on you, you, you. Live at peace with everyone. Means we don't go around looking to smack people. But we do what we got to do without sacrificing truth to live at peace with everyone. Do you know the one thing that I hear yearning for in every place that I'm at, whether I'm out in a shopping center or I'm at church? Peace. The people I talk to are really sick and tired of fighting with each other. They're at their wit's end of it. Facebook has lost thousands of people off of it. Some will say there's a reason for that. I will tell you that the reason for that, some of that is because people are tired of seeing people fight. Can you imagine if a group of, I don't know, 40 people decided they were going to go out and live their lives like Paul asked to do and like Jesus asked to do in the Sermon on the Mount. And as far as it depends on you that you would live at peace with everyone, can you imagine how that would change the world, how outreach would become important? Instead of gathering around and kind of stoking the fire sometimes, Don't we do that? Again, if it's all me, I'll I'll take the blame. But I think we all stoke the fire sometimes. I'll just throw a little coal on that fire. I'll throw a little wood on that fire and watch it burn. 
Some people actually literally get enjoyment of watching the fire burn. Jesus asks us to not get enjoyment of watching people burn. He asks us to live at peace with one another. Sometimes that's swallowing our own wants, our own needs. It's it's hard. Reconciliation and the resolution of anger between two people made in the image of God and he utter is utterly important to God. Now here's what I want you to notice before we in just a moment switch to the next screen. Just a moment. Notice that Jesus doesn't say anything about who's right and who's wrong in this situation. You want him to, don't you? Come on, be honest. You want him to say, Brother A was right, Brother B was wrong. Sister A was right, Sister B was wrong. Because ultimately, that's what we want when we enter the anger stage. We want people to say, you're right, I'm wrong. Jesus purposely steers far from it never even gives us an inkling of who was right and who was wrong. When it comes to imperfection and sinfulness, here's the bottom line. We're all wrong. Every last one of us. You might say, Pastor, this isn't easy. I know it's not easy. <laughs> Trust me, this whole week. Can I just skip this passage, Pastor, or Jesus? Who told you it was easy to live for God, though? Because if someone told you that, they gave you the biggest lie that they could give you. It's not easy to live for God. And I'm going to promise you this, something else, too. And I'm not saying by saying this that it's going to be anytime soon, but the farther we get closer to that day when he returns, it's going to get even harder to live for God. So buckle your seatbelts, friends. You think it's hard now? Wait. It's time. See, that's what I think we did back in the 80s. Now, I was only a little taught back in the 80s. But we promised this roses after salvation business. And what ends up happening is, is that we, um, we frustrate people because they don't have roses after they come to know Jesus. They still have fights. They still have anger. Part of God's vision for our church is to love the church and love others, not to be angry with the church and angry with others. We are to love and forgive and seek to make things right with others. Finally, number three, last one. Anger can have consequences. Anger can have consequences. Now let's Let me just add this. Anger can have consequences, and the longer you hold on to it, the more consequences it will have. Let me me give you a picture of this. Um, I'm going to give you two pictures. First of all, I was serving in a church one time when there was some some issues, Not not because of me, thank God, but not because of me. There was other issues with some staff that had some, that did some things that were not morally correct. And so people were upset with each other. And I remember three years later, I, I, was, I was the youth pastor there. I got on staff there. This was, it happened before I came on staff. And then I was a youth pastor there. And I remember three years after this whole incident was done, and, and maybe you remember me telling you this story, but it's perfect to this. Three years after the incident is done, and, and we should have moved on, and we should have gotten over it. I, I'm in downstairs with this, with this um, man from our church, and all of a sudden, he ducks into a classroom. Like, I'm talking to him, and he ducks into a classroom behind me. And I'm like, and then this lady comes down the hallway, and she's like, hey, pastor, are you talking to yourself? And I'm like, no, he was just here. 
So she goes away, and he comes back out, and I'm like, what was that about? Man, ever since that issue three years ago, every time I see her, I duck into a classroom. To this day, it breaks my heart that church people acted like that. Are you kidding me? Three years and you can't let your anger go? The longer you hold on to it, it's like a firecracker. Firecrackers are all pretty and they they make nice noises as you hold them in your hands. (laughs) But the longer you hold them into the hand, the more damage they're going to do. Trust me, I'm a firecracker king. All right, I love to go out to people's houses that are way out in the boondocks and set them off. Legal firecrackers. Let's be clear on that. But man, you can hold that M80 in your hand for as long as you want, and you can love that, you can love that spark, and you can look at that fuse going down, and you can say, wow, this is awesome, the power that I have in my hand. But the longer you leave that, leave that M80 in your hand, the more damage that's going to be done. I remember we were in South Carolina buying some legal firecrackers for Pennsylvania. I'm just going to be clear on that again. But we were, we were buying these firecrackers, and this guy with like half an arm, and he's missing his eye. And he looks at me, and he goes, hey, uh, you might not want to look down the tube when you set that thing on fire. And I'm like, I'm like, did you look down the tube a couple too, too, too many times? Like, it was just funny how this guy's telling me he's missing an eye, he's missing half an arm, and he's working in a, a firecracker station. But the whole point is, is that the longer you hold on to the firecracker, the more the bang's going to go off and the more damage that's going to be done to your body. The longer you hang on to anger, the more the bang's going to go off and the more damage is going to be done to your body and this body. Understand the longer you hang on to the firecracker. Settle matters quickly, it says in Matthew chapter 5, with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have been have paid the very last penny here's what jesus is getting at is is that it's always better to work things out with someone without going before a judge whether a human judge or god the holy judge a judge will examine us to see if there is guilt within us and so we will be punished if we have the guilt in us It's always easier to make things right yourself with someone else before a judge has to do so. Again, it's truth both on a practical level and a spiritual level. Notice how severe the punishment will be. Jesus says you will never get out of there until you have paid the very last penny. I want you to just stop there. And get your mind out of 2022 and think of it this way. How does a man in prison get money to pay the very last penny? In the Jewish thinking of the New Testament. And if your answer to that question is they absolutely can't, you're correct. Now, today I realize that it's a different ballgame. Prisoners can somewhat make for certain things. But not in this day. So here's what Jesus is literally saying. You let your anger hold on to yourself, you will be in prison, and you will be there until you pay the very last penny, which, by the way, you can't pay because you're not making any money because you're sitting in prison. It's impossible. That is, unless someone pays the bill for you. Enter Jesus. 
through Jesus. Let's think of an earthly example. Let's say that you're a high school student who's on an athletic team and you have a disagreement with another member of the team. Hmm, I wonder why Pastor Brett came up with this one. If you take care of it yourselves and work it out, your coach may never even know about it. However, if you don't work it out and things get bad and have to go before the coach or the athletic director, is it not true that things could get very ugly if that happens? You could be punished in some way including maybe even being kicked off the team or out of the band. The same can be true in family relationships, the workplace, and certainly in the church. It's always easier for people to work things out in humility and love rather than to take it to the next level. That's what Jesus is saying. The longer you wait to make things right, the worse the situation can become. Avoid anger. Seek to make things right. Seek to do as soon as possible so that things don't get worse. That's the call of this part of the Sermon on the Mount. So here's the question that I was going to ask at the beginning, but I'll ask at the end. Have you murdered anyone lately? And if you have... Now's the time to change. Because the one who could pay the very last penny for that sin has already written the dot, has already written the check. He says, if you would just give it all to me, I'll help you with that anger. I'll help you be the salt and light. I'll help you be righteous. See, again, Jesus is pointing people back to himself and saying, listen, I don't need all the the garland and I don't need all the decorations and I don't need all the other stuff. What I need, Faith Church, what I need, Pastor Brett, is your heart. That's it. And as long as you continue to give me the gifts and give me the other stuff instead of your heart, you're going to fight these battles that are talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. And even when you do give me your heart, you're still going to fight the battles. That's kind of the point. You're never going to live up to what the Sermon on the Mount says. That's why Jesus needs to be in your heart. That's why you need to have a relationship with him. That's why you need to walk with him because he can help you to fight it. And live a life that's righteous. I mentioned that I started preparing this because I'm so into this sermon series. I go into the office on Monday morning. The first thing I do is start preparing the next Sunday. And then I go coach basketball. (laughs) And referees make bad calls. They just do. And then I want to chew him out. And I want to call him a fool. And then I remember, oh yeah. And I'm not saying this arrogantly or even remotely prideful. If he can keep this shut, he can keep yours shut. If he can control this, he can control yours. Trust me, I'm prone to have a... If he can do it in me, he can do it in you. But you got to give him your heart. And so the, ultimately the issue of anger comes down to our relationship with him. Remember, Jesus classifies anger as sin deserving of judgment. Furthermore, Jesus tells us it's very important to heal our anger towards other humans. And God is serious about anger and he's very, he's very serious about his followers pursuing righteousness and godliness. Here's the bottom line of today's message. We should deal with our anger before God deals with our anger. That's it. Like, that's your choice. 
Do you want him to deal with it someday or do you want to deal with it now? Anger is a sin that separates us from others, humans, and can also separate us from God himself. I want you to challenge yourself this week, and again, at life application, back of your sermon outline. Number one, describe any anger you have in your heart at this moment. Now, I gave you the whole back of the sermon outline. If you need more paper than that, go get more paper. But do it. Any anger. And then if necessary, I want you, or, or first, I want you to then take time after you do that, after you've been completely honest, and, and here's a question to consider why you describe that anger. Do you get angry with certain people? Maybe even label them an idiot, a moron, fool. Something that I did not say that I, was, that I had in my notes and I missed it was is that when it, when it says raka, that literally is like almost a curse word in Jewish language, in Greek it's almost a curse word. It's basically calling someone empty-headed. It's basically saying, you got nothing between the ears, brother. So maybe you do it by calling him a moron or an idiot or stupid. And I know those aren't appropriate words for little children to use, and I would be mad if my kids used them. So kids, don't use them or whatever. But you're doing the same thing Jesus says. You're just not using Raqqa. After you've been completely honest, please take time to admit that honesty to God. Asking for forgiveness, knowing he will provide it. That's key. Then if necessary, seek out those you may need to seek out. Would you do it? This is where the, this is where the rubber meets the road. Look, I can, I can teach you what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, but in all honesty, James is so correct in his scripture that what really matters on a Sunday morning is not what I say. And that really stinks because I want what I say to matter. It's not what June says. It's not what Pastor Landon says. It's not what any other teacher says. Here's what really matters on Sunday morning, that you take what you've learned in this scripture and you go do it Monday through Saturday and even next Sunday. That's what ultimately matters. It does not matter what I said, how I said it, how I presented it. it that, that all is great and wonderful, but it is not what is important. What is important that it actually changes your life. And so do it. Be honest with them. If you're angry with God, tell them. If you're angry with something, somebody else, tell them. You know, for too long we've been preaching and teaching in classes that, that you know, you don't want to be honest with God. Someone must have forgot to tell David that in the Psalms. He didn't have a very good Sunday school teacher. David didn't. Just read some of the Psalms. God, I can't believe you're letting me down. God, I can't believe you didn't come through for me. God, I'm feeling a little angry. God, I'm feeling this. God, I'm feeling that. It's important to understand that we can be honest. In Faith Church, in closing, unresolved anger is like a firecracker with a lit fuse. The longer it stays in the hands, the more damage it will do. The time is now to throw that sucker as far as you can throw it and let it bang somewhere else where it doesn't bang and blow off all of your fingers. Seek out Christ-like reconciliation, friends. Now is the time. Today is the moment. Because the longer you hold on to it, the closer that fuse is going to blow. And so one of my most favorite times of lighting that firecracker is taking that sucker and whipping it as far as I can. So that the bang happens over there, not here. I'd like to picture all of Faith Church today taking all of their anger so that the bang happens over there, not in here. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. And he just so happened to start with your lead pastor this week. And it's not easy. But we got to do it. We got to do it. Let's pray.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We're thankful that even when we hold on to things, you are so graceful with us. Help us, Lord, to honor you in our reaction to this message. Help us to understand that we can't pay the last penny. You can, and you already did. Help us to live lives that are righteous. Help us to be salt and light. Help us in our employment and in our, in our homes to be so peaceful, even in times of great distress, that people literally sit up and take a look and say, well, why are you, how can you not be freaking out right now? How can you not be angry? And we can look at them and say, let me introduce you to Jesus. Thank you for the work you've started in in my heart this week. As I've seen some places where I've let this go. And I ask you to do the same work that you're doing in me, in each of these people. Every one of them, even those that are watching online. That you will touch their hearts. That you will remind them that it's possible to live a life. It's not all about being angry. But serving you and loving you. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend to us. And as we sing this closing hymn in just a few moments, may you remind us of those things that we often carry in anger and in frustration simply because we don't take it to you in in prayer. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 